1: Hi there, this is Crystal from Crystal Obregon Coaching with episode number 47 of the Extraordinary Life podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with coach, mentor, and healer, Nafisa Shireen. Nafisa believes that we all have a unique purpose and that it's possible to make great money doing what you love and what you know you are called here to do. Her approach brings together mindset, energy, spirituality, strategy, and horse wisdom to help you create an extraordinary life and legacy. Nafisa and I met at the first business event I ever went to. In fact, I won the ticket to the event, or I probably wouldn't have gone. After the event, we followed each other on social. And it was about a year later that I really started to take notice of what she was doing. I think it was about the time she had bought her ranch and was starting to think about bringing horses into her quote unquote business coaching. She'll say more about that, but suffice it to say that she's much more than just a business coach. As she started to show more of her authentic self, I became more interested in what she had to offer. And when I completed my life coach certification, I hired her to help me make the transition from health coach to life coach, and then continued on to have her helping me break through with my business. I shared about my experience working with her way back in episode number two of the podcast. So definitely go back to that one when you have a chance. In this interview, we talked about beliefs, purpose, career change, horses, life, and business struggles, coaching, and prosperity. We had such a great time, and there are so many nuggets of wisdom that I thought I would split the interview into two more digestible parts. I know you'll love it, so without further ado, here's part one. Nafisa, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for
2: having me here today, Crystal. I had a good chuckle when you said the quote-unquote business coach because that's like perfect. I would consider myself the non-business business coach. I've had a lot of experience in business. As you know, I used to be a CPA and I worked in corporate and in mining. So for me, business is easy. People aren't. And I was one of those people that weren't necessarily easy either. So when I first started my business... I thought that all of my business skills would translate, and they never did. <laughs> um, I went from to like having a really great career to just bottoming out. And I always say, you know, my first year in business, I hit six figures really quickly. Unfortunately, it was the wrong way because um, <laughs> the money went out. And so that's what got me really interested a little bit in, in personal development, just based on kind of why I was struggling. You know, what was going on with me in that aspect? And so it just started a journey of of this fabulous career that I had, and then I started, I left it because it wasn't right anymore. And then I started my own business, and I had all the hard knocks. You know, I think we all can appreciate what it's like when you first start a coaching business. It's not as straightforward as as you would seem. And then, as that really developed and blossomed, I wanted more because I I am an avid horsewoman. But the crazy thing is, is that I wanted a business with horses and I wanted my own ranch or farm to have horses and I was terrified of my own horse. So this was a journey that I was going through in my coaching programs with my own coach. and I was attracted to her because she had a horse and there were days where I was ready to actually give Chip away. (laughs) Like I just, I couldn't do it. And as valuable as all the business coaching was that I, I had with her, I think that the biggest benefit was she wouldn't let me give up on myself and my horsemanship. And she helped me find other local coaches to help me work through that. And then I wanted to bring horses into my, my business because of the transformation they had on my life. And I didn't really know about this modality of, of working with horses I didn't know how that worked Until I started to see other people do it And I just, I got curious And so that's kind of around 2018 When I brought it all in I think when we met at the time At that event And I can't believe it was It would be more than four years ago Because I've been here for four years It's probably five now <laughs> So it's quite a while I was still boarding Chip And I had just started leasing Jake So that was like I just got that pony And I only had him part-time because I was trying to get a lot more confidence by working with a pony to work with my own horse. I was also in the process of taking my own NLP certification. And as you know, when you take a coaching program, you are working through your own things with your classmates, and they, because they're coaching you, you're coaching them. And so I was, I thought, I've got 12 days here of NLP, eight hours a day. I'm going to work on my fear of, of horses because I really wanted this. And so it was at that event I think you you met one of the the ladies. her name was Nicole. She was one of my buddy partners. She was the one that worked with me on the belief that I could have a farm or not have a farm and so it's been a long process to get there and so now I have this place I've got four horses. we've had a lot of them come through with different borders and stuff, but I've got my own core herd here and It's non-business business business coaching because I work with people on all those things (laughs) that that aren't business problems per se, but left unchecked, they will become one. And then when we work through that and healing that, well, the business stuff's easy. Like I can tap into, you know, my business experience and we can put all that together. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. And horse obsessed is probably the best way to say it because now I live and breathe everything for my horses. And it's just it's an incredible, like I just love having this life. It's not the easiest life, having a farm, because owning horses and owning farms are two different hobbies, but I can't imagine not having it.
1: You named it Believe and See Ranch. Tell us a little bit about your journey to getting the ranch and also why why the name?
2: Anybody that would have known me in the horse world knew that I talked nonstop about getting a farm. I don't think any of them believed me because of all the fears that I had, right? So, but that was just one aspect of it. I live in Vancouver, the Vancouver area. So real estate's really expensive here compared to the rest of Canada. And I had this belief in my head that I I needed 10 acres. Like that was just in my head and that I needed like so much money and I didn't think I could do it. It was just this big stumbling block that I didn't think I could do this. And I went to an event one day with, he wasn't my mentor at the time. I was hoping at some point I could hire him when I eventually did. And I remember it was just a small room of 35 people and he had everybody get up to the mic and say, why are you here? I don't like getting up and taking the mic. It's just, I feel very vulnerable. I mean, and I know it's a good thing and I know it's, it's, it's good for me to stretch that muscle and it's good for other people to see us as human when we do that. But the fear of, I love being on stage, <laughs> right? But being on the other side of that microphone was terrifying for me. And he goes, why are you here? And I, so I jokingly said, well, you're, you know, your salesperson sent, gave me a Facebook message and invited me. He goes, why are you here? <laughs> I was trying to avoid it. And then I was shaking at the microphone, like literally shaking. And I said, because I want a horse farm. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, did I, okay, I actually said it out loud in front of a group of, like, professional peers, not horse peers. They don't know all my fears, but, you know, who might have all this? And anyway, he comes up to me at the end of it and says, okay, you, book a VIP day. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I did. And, and I, and his his whole, one of his mottos in, in his company is just believe, right? It was always about getting your belief straight, getting your mind straight. And so on my very first VIP day with him, I sat there and said I wanted to do this. And at that point, I still hadn't realized I could actually work with horses. Like I, I had it kind of in the back of my mind, this whole coaching thing. I had talked so much to people about wanting to get a farm. And I, I felt that all my friends already thought I was ridiculous. I was not going to give voice to the fact, oh, maybe I could do horse coaching. I'm like, I, I, I was still literally in a place where I wouldn't lead my horse from one place to another without somebody else there. So while we're sitting at that VIP day, he just says, So do you, do you want to be a, a, a leading coach in this industry? Do you want a business where you can be a leader in the personal development industry? Or do you just want to go work with your horses? And in that moment, I got really, really angry because I felt like he was saying, you, can, you can't be a coach and have horses. That's all I heard. And I'm thinking, why not? Like, So if I go if I have all my horses, then I can't be a coach. But if I want to be a coach, I can't. Ho- you know, you get those moments where you're just like feeling this rage come up. And I'm like, who is he to say all this? And then it, I kind of stopped myself and I'm like, wait a minute. He didn't say have horses. He said, work with horses. Work with this or work with that, and it just came out of my mouth. I went, "Well, why can't I have both?" He goes, "Well, I didn't say that. You just did. Do you want both?" It was just a mind-blowing moment. I'm like, "Oh!" I said, "Can I?" Do you want it? And so that's when I started started working with him. And so it required a lot of belief. Like I had to learn, you know, that I could believe in my business to be big enough to. At that point, I had done a lot of the NLP work already on, on the horse fear. But I had... Or was it... No, I hadn't started the NLP work yet at that point. This was early 2017. And I think that was the year that, that we met. I hadn't started the NLP work, so I was still afraid of the horses. And I was had no idea how I was going to buy a, a farm like that. And then... So I had to learn how to sell. I had to learn to to be more... Like, show up differently in my business. I had to get my head around the investment on the farm. But partly what really helped was the incredible investment I had made with him to realize if I could make that kind of payment every month, then I could probably afford a farm payment, (laughs) you know? Um, And so, about five months into our uh, coaching relationship, I was at an event that he was hosting for his clients, it wasn't a public event. And he was teaching about quantum leaps. He was asking everybody in there, I want you to write down what is going to be your quantum leap in one year. What do you you need to make in your business to have a quantum leap? So it gets to be my turn. I don't know what to say. And I'm sitting there and I didn't know, I literally didn't know what to put down because the number in my head was just so obnoxious to, to what I would need. And he goes, okay, so just what do you want the money for? So this was June 8th, and I will never forget these dates. He goes, what do you want the money for? I said, well, you know, to buy my farm. He goes, well, what will it take? I said, well, in Vancouver, it'll probably take two and a half million dollars to buy it. He goes, there you go. There's your quantum leap. We'll see that in a year. And again, I was really triggered. Take the attention off of me. Fine. A few months later, I realized that I had never even talked to a real estate agent or a banker never this didn't like I was like of course I'm not going to have this and when I started that process it actually happened really quickly um, we made an offer on a place where we had to move away and that didn't work and you know it's because it wasn't what I really wanted like I didn't want to move away I wanted to stay in my neighborhood so when we let that place go place I'm in now just came up on the I got, I got a notification about it literally about half an hour after letting the other place go. And it was five minutes from my house. I didn't know it existed. So we did all the paperwork. And I mean, real estate transactions are nightmares for anybody. And we we had a house to sell and we had to have one to buy and we need to line all up. And there was lots of of nail-biting moments. And then June 11th, one year and three days later, I had closed on the sale of my house and on the purchase of this farm. And I remembered, he said that, well, there you'll be in one year is your quantum leap. And I didn't believe, I mean, I was annoyed at the time. I'm like, that's not possible. But it happened because I had worked on all my beliefs. And so the name Believe and See Ranch came about was like, I went from disbelief to belief. And when I went to belief, I was able to see it. And so that's how things do manifest in our lives is we have to have a really strong belief. And that showed itself to me with this farm. And so it, it just seemed that was just the name that, and it, and it wasn't about just believing. I had to believe it to see it. And that's what it represents for, for me still, because it's still a place of ongoing transformation. And it's also for my clients because I do work a lot on beliefs. So it all fell in. But again, it was driven through my own experience of going from complete disbelief to
1: belief. To manifestation. <laughs> I've heard that story before. I actually took that into my own life on my 10 dreams that I write as if they'd already happened. One of them is having a place to retreat to in the mountains, a home to retreat to in the mountains. I think that's how I say it. I remember you saying that you hadn't even talked to a realtor, att- like you actually didn't know how much it would cost, right? And so Last winter, not this past one, the one before, when my kids were completely online in school, I started thinking I should look to see what it actually does cost to buy a home in the mountains. And I came across this townhome and I said, let's just go look at it. It doesn't cost anything to look. And so I called the realtor and it was great. It was actually is right in the place that I would want it on the meadow. We thought about it for a month and then decided to go for it. And two months later we we bought it. And and it actually it's not, you know, I can't go anytime I want, but I still have one kid in school that actually has to to go in person now. And but it is a place I can I can retreat to by myself, and a lot more than you could if you didn't have it, right? So that's the part that's really cool. Yes, exactly. And so, just that idea of not just having these pie-in-the-sky dreams, right? You have to take the steps because those will start to change
2: the belief. When you take the steps, it happens quickly, and, and it it's our beliefs that keep us from not taking those steps. Like, oh, I could never afford it, or I couldn't do it, or I'm too scared of my horses, right? So it was all those things. In a year, the the realtor, the NLP, the like everything, right? And you know, and, and you know, you see my videos now with the horses. I mean, I'm out there dancing with two of them, like no issue. <laughs> <laughs> and I think about that, how that's happened in my life. When I look at clients or friends or, or colleagues or my own coaches or just family members, it's easy to I, I don't know what the word is, but like to just talk yourself out of it because it just seems pie in the sky. But the fact is, if you have that thought, then some way, somehow, it is available to you. And it never will be available if you just keep it a thought without taking action. And that was the one thing I, I learned in that was, well, I haven't even talked to a, a banker or I haven't, and, and, you know, we had actually paid off our other house. And so I also had this rule in my head that, well, it has to be mortgage free. But it didn't, why, that was a stupid rule. <laughs> right? Cause I had a lot of equity to put down on something that I was negating just because I couldn't buy a farm for cash. So I had to sort of change some of my hard and fast rules that made absolutely no sense. I mean, I laughed when you said it doesn't cost anything to look because that's not true. <laughs> we both ended up buying,
1: right? <laughs> but it, it, it,
2: but in the moment it doesn't. And yet it, it'll get you on the right path. Cause the first thing we looked at wasn't right. And we had to walk away from it. And I believed that I, you know, I couldn't get something in my neighborhood. And that was another really stupid belief that I was willing to settle for something. I did not want to downgrade my dream when I didn't need to do that. I was able to, and so as painful as it was to let that first property go, like we joke about it, that that was, that was a bankruptcy starter kit. It, it had, two failed septic fields like how does that work and a failed well so because it was just so dirty so the and those are basics those are basic survival things you need to live right like a well and functioning septic fields and if those were failing what else were we going to find right yet i had
1: talked myself
2: into but that's all i'll ever be able to afford it's better just to hold out <laughs>
1: just a little bit longer. For somebody wanting to follow their dreams and perhaps not believing it's possible, what advice would you give somebody? I think the, the thing that I would recommend is to, like you said, it takes work, right?
2: It, I mean, it's it's it took me years to get there and I've worked with people and it can sometimes take a couple of years too, because it is a process. But one of the things I think is the most important is to put yourself in that environment as much as you can or things that can remind you of it that's why vision boards do work really well one of the things that helped me and it's one of the things that i will work on with people is if you it is it is the power of visualization right you're going to visualize what will it look like what will it sound like what will it feel like when i have this right and if you're thinking about what will it look like and i remember one time i it was a I can't remember if it was a friend or a client. We were, I can't remember. But we were having this conversation about where she wanted to be with something. And in her in her visualization, it just came out, one of the things was she was never going to drink cheap wine again. She was always going to have really nice wine. So I suggested to her that, okay, well, you know, the first thing you need to do is you can start drinking nice wine now. You can have a bottle of it on your counter, even if you're not going to drink it all the time but just as a reminder right so it was just a small thing to create like a physical connection between what was in her mind and what she wanted to do and every time she would look at that that would tweak her subconscious mind to the goal she was working towards so for me even though it took me a while to reach out to let's say the realtors or the bankers what ended up being the catalyst for me to take those steps was i did start looking at the mls at least and driving around and looking at properties and just getting my head into what does that look like not just sitting and visualizing but actually going out and looking at them and seeing them not open houses i hadn't i wasn't quite ready I mean, and i i believe too we have to do things at our own speed like if if you're not ready to go to an open house don't go to an open house but drive by one <laughs> right just just starting to put yourself into into that type of stuff and even with Jake, when I took him on as a lease, that was the start of me saying, I don't just have a horse. I'm a horsewoman. I now have two. And granted, I took a little pony that I felt safer with, but it was enough for me to just make that step. And, and I mean, he was leased, so it was only part-time. I didn't have all the expenses. I didn't have the vet bills. And he was a little guy and and you've met him. He's just, he's very stoic. He's very... With big personality. I wouldn't call him friendly. I wouldn't call him friendly, (laughs) but he's very, he's very safe, right? It was just little things that, that you can do to put yourself in that. Like, like you said, you know, you're looking at it, you know, you just, you take those steps and the thing is the time's going to pass anyway. The interesting thing is as you take them, you are slowly shifting your, your mind, your perception, your belief. It's the cliche saying, it's like, you know, energy goes where your attention is, or attention goes where energy flows, right? So it eventually happens. I mean, let's just say it's, they want to take a first class trip to France. Obviously, the vision board and the pictures and all of that, but what are the things you would experience in France? Or what are the things you would experience on this trip? Start looking, going in and doing it. And maybe the first class trip to France isn't that great, but the next time you have to take a local flight within the United States or Canada, why not book that first class? Like just get yourself in that mindset that you are the person that does this, right? Because that's a small step towards it.
1: And then the bigger thing will eventually happen. My husband and I, we watch bike racing, the big tours. So the Giro d'Italia, which is happening right now. And then the Tour de France and the the Vuelta is the one in Spain. And we watch them and talk about where we're going to go when the second kid is off to college. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not that we're waiting to do anything, but it is a lot of fun to do that with him because it's also creating something that we have. It's not just in your head. It's, it's, it's spoken out loud. There's a commitment there and that will get you towards it. So what about when things don't seem to be working out? You had a few curveballs thrown at you. What tools did you use? What was your strategy? I don't think we were, you were in my, you were following me at the time I had my
2: accident. So there was that one where I smashed my face. Um, We had a lot of construction that didn't necessarily happen right. Then there was that flood (laughs) that we had just before. And then my mom died and then the pandemic. And then I had just put everything I had into this farm and my retreat business got closed down. And then There was a lot of grief with that to deal with. And then we got the horse that got injured. So there's been a few things, you know. I I think part of it, I don't know how much it's a strategy and not necessarily something I would endorse. This is just my character. I'm very stubborn, right? And I just, I get that from my dad and I just keep going. (laughs) So... (laughs) So when I fell, I, you know, I, I just kept going and and I, I don't necessarily recommend that <laughs> because I actually had an opportunity to take time off and I needed it and I should have. I did cancel a trip though, because I didn't think I could deal with airports and customs when I couldn't even think. Through the rest of it, I just, I get on this treadmill of, of insanity when you do that. And I know there can be a lot of push out there and I don't see it as much now that the pandemic's Kind of phasing out, but before that, a lot of the bigger gurus are like, "How bad do you want it?" Like, "How bad do you want it?" You obviously don't want it bad enough, and blah 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 blah. And I remember just before everything shut down, my very last trip uh, with my own mentor was in Charlotte, and I went there, and one of his recommendations for me, and and you know, and it's a good recommendation. I just couldn't see how it worked for me was to try to get more trips in and go to more events at least once a month and and I remember saying, "Well, I, I didn't buy a farm to leave it." And he's like, "Well, how bad do you want, you know, grow and build?" And and I had to really think about that. Do I not want it that badly? Well, yeah, but not one at the expense of the other. Like, how do I do it differently, right? Because that won't work for me. And that was right after my mom died, so I was quite emotional and I and I I didn't I, and I just thought about that thinking, "Well, that's I don't know. Do I want to be that person that's on the road all the time? And then the pandemic hit. I had my clients that were still working with me, and that eventually phased out. And I, I made the decision, and it scared the daylights out of me. I'm like, I'm not going to market. I'm just taking a year off. <laughs> I, like, I'm taking a year off. I still had some commitments that I that I fulfilled, but taking the, the foot off the gas pedal for marketing. Oh my! Serving my clients is—I love it. Marketing is not. It's just I'm not. You know, I didn't get into this business to be a marketer, but it was beginning to feel like that. And I I think what helped me the most through all of that was taking that year off. It was really scary. It was because I still had all these horses to feed. I was worried about relevance because that's—you know—you disappear. From the marketing scene, are people going to remember you? I was scared that, well, what if I take this year off and I don't want to do what I've created? No <laughs> <laughs> time to think. But the catalyst for me on that, though, was I was talking to one of my clients, and she was really nervous about what all this space was going to free up. And she was in a position in her life where financially she was. Going to be okay, even if her business took a hit during this pandemic, right? in terms of money and and whatever. and but she was also kind of fretting about suddenly not having anything to do more than the the financial thing. And as I said the words to her, I said, "I know you didn't choose this time, but if you did choose it, what would you do with it to make it feel like this was time for me? And as the the words were like coming out of my mouth. I was like, oh, I think I need to listen to that. And that was when I decided to take the year off. So I guess what I'm saying in this is when curveballs hit, you definitely need your your support. You know, I still had a mentor who supported me through all that. She was amazing. She gave me space. I told her I needed space. She gave me space. Um, she came back later and, you know, we picked up where we left off. But even in the space, there was always this little bit of support coming, which really changed how I look at my business now because I don't – it like it just changed. I'm like, wow, that was a really cool thing for her to do. And so I wanted to pay that forward. So I had the space. I couldn't necessarily surround myself with people because we were in the midst of lockdowns. Uh, so I surrounded myself with my horses. But all those reasons that I was afraid to take a break were all the reasons I needed one. Because, yeah, what if I found out I didn't really want to do this after a break? Maybe I need to find that out, (laughs) right? And I've been working since I was 17. And I, I turned 50 that year. So that's like 33 years, like nonstop. And so I think it's really listening to what you need. And if you need a break, take it and it's okay and it hasn't affected me i still haven't even come back full time on the marketing side but i still have clients in the background quietly right and i will come back and i will have things that are, are as even bigger than before and the good news is i discovered yeah i really still want to do what i'm doing but more focused on this versus this right and i took that time to dive into horsemanship i took the time and i think there's just we don't give ourselves time when we're hit with curveballs and I think that was the biggest lesson I learned in 2020 was I'm worthy of giving myself time. And so are you. So I think for anybody that hits those is to just just take some time, even if it's just a couple of days. Like People are afraid to take off a couple of days. Give yourself the time. Because <laughs> I was able to take off a whole year and it was still okay. It was still okay. When the curveballs hit, give yourself a few days. The email will still be there. People won't forget that you haven't actually posted on social media for a couple of weeks. They will not forget. And in fact, if you haven't posted in a while, your next post will get a lot more reach. I've discovered that. So yeah, I think that's that's the advice I have now. It Probably would have been very different when we were working together. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah. I'm not having any curveballs thrown at me, but I have become very involved with my son's mountain biking. He's doing really well. And so we're going to these national events and traveling. The past week, I've been getting a little grumpy, I guess, because we're going to be gone on the road for about a month. And so I was starting to think of how I would do my podcast and do it in advance and all of those things. And I have a mini mastermind group that I meet with once a month. And I brought it to them and they said, oh, just take the time off. Oh, no, but if I just do two a week, then I can go and it'll be all covered and I won't have to stop. And then I started getting grumpy again. And my husband and I just had the conversation this morning. Just take three weeks off, at least of the marketing, because I'm like you, I I don't hate, hate the marketing. I love doing this part, but I love the coaching. That's my actual passion and purpose. And it's funny how much work I have to do on myself to say, it's okay, take three weeks off, be present with your 15-year-old kid. I won't get that time back with him. Oh, you won't. You know, after my mom died,
2: I mean, we, we were still working together when all that happened, right? And, you know, I got the phone call that she was in hospital and then I didn't know, she's been sick for a while. And then my niece texted me and said, no, it's really bad. And I, I was going to, to North Carolina the week after. And, you know, they they graciously offered to reschedule my my VIP days. That wasn't the issue, but I had in my head, no, I'm going to go. I went there. We, 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 that was there for, for when she passed and then, you know, we stayed a couple more days and then I just went on to my VIP day. Cause okay. The, and that was just how I was functioning to just, you just keep going, going, going. And I think that's kind of when I was like, I think the back now, like that was really nuts. <laughs> like, I, you know, my mom died on a, was it a Thursday or Friday? I was on a business trip. Think about the lunacy of that, right? And that had nothing to do with my coach. They were going to reschedule, but I was like, no, no, I'm I want it, you know. And then when I thought about the the lunacy of it, it's like, no, that's I realized because some of the the consciousness or what might have been out there was well, you can't bring them back. It's you're going to sacrifice your life going forward, right? And I realized later, well, it wasn't just about her. It was about me too needing space. And so that's, so I really took space, you know, and I don't dislike some, well, some of the marketing for me is fun. All the horse videos that I put up, you can tell, I love it. You can see my passion in it, you know, trying to tie it into a life lesson or be marketing about my business sometimes can be a little harder. Um, and I, I, I'll do it, but I, I, the confidence that I've developed in knowing that I don't have to talk about coaching when I'm having my horses up there, because people know what I do. They get it, you know, and I've still managed to have clients and still have that horse energy. When I actually was able to do my workshops last year, finally do them, mandates ha- had been lifting. I sold out in three days. Now, granted, it was a local one, so it didn't take a lot of planning and people didn't have to travel, but still, you know, I hadn't done a, a a multi-day, well, it wasn't a multi-day retreat, it was like a multi-person retreat since you were here in 2019. So this is a two and a bit years later. And I was really nervous. Like I hadn't, and I just put it up and and people came. And it, it wasn't about the money or selling it. It was about being in that moment and having what I felt was my purpose. And I realized it, it was and yeah i you know hadn't done it in a couple of years i felt a bit rusty right the next one was way better but the the people that were here still had transformational experiences they still made big decisions so all that stuff in my head of is, is it good enough or not good enough my own stuff right? i had to get over that and i realized yeah i've i've still just i've still shown up on social media but as me right not as the coach but as me all the bread i was baking I was just sharing all of that and people still still felt like they were in touch so biggest thing i lesson i learned and that i would recommend to people now is take a break it will be there when you get back nothing's that urgent
1: I hope you enjoyed part one of my interview with Nafisa. I hope she's inspired you to take even the tiniest steps forward toward your dreams and not settle for less than what you really want. I'll share Nafisa's website and social media info in the show notes if you'd like to find out more about her. And next week, you'll hear even more from Nafisa when we talk about prosperity and how it's so much more than wealth. And also the important difference between being broke and being poor. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you in here next week. Bye for now.